the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights, back to share the Word of God with you. Thank you, Lord. I love doing this. Obviously, it's what I'm called to do. I love opening the Word of God, seeing what the Holy Spirit has to teach us. We've been talking about knowing God. Uh, Specifically, we were talking about the last two weeks about knowing God and His judgments and knowing God as love. Those are two huge aspects. And I I start with them because that's where we are today. Those are the two greatest manifestations, I believe, of God in the earth today, the love of God and the judgments of God. So I want to connect them. I want you to have a full picture of God because, truth be told, both the love of God and the judgments of God. The love of God has been counterfeited and the judgments of God have been misunderstood. And it's important that you know that. The Bible says, he that fears the Lord, he that walks in the fear of the Lord, understands all things. Well, people don't teach on the judgments of God because we don't know God. And when you don't know God, you don't understand God. So we've done away. We have really just about zero insight on what a judgment of God is, why they're here. And then we've counterfeited the love of God. And between the two of them, did I say the judgments of God before? I meant to say the judgments of God. We don't understand the judgments of God because we don't fear the Lord. But he that walks in the fear of the Lord understands all things. And regarding the love of God, we have counterfeited that. You know, we copy in the church what man does. We bring that into the church. And I'm teaching this because we have painted a very poor picture of who God is and what he looks like. You know, when we taught marriage classes, it was, hey, man, if you want to know about your wife, go to the expert. Go to the expert. Talk to the expert on who your wife is. And who is that? It's your wife, of course. Well, it's the same thing with God. If you want to know who God is, Go to the Bible. Go to the expert. Go where he reveals himself through his word. Because we have got to know who God is. Remember, we spoke about this last week, I think it was, that he told them that the time of judgment came, eternal judgment. And he said, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. And so it's important that he knows us. But as far as us knowing him, that's how we walk successfully in our lives down here. And so it's paramount that we go ahead and introduce you to the God of love and his judgments. They are connected. They go together. Psalm 916, the Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. We always use that as a foundation scripture. God's judgments are designed to reveal who he is. And, you know, if we're living a great life, if we're not sinning like we are as a nation today or even as individuals, There's no need for his judgments. His judgments are designed to get us back on course. Why does he want us back on course? Because if we don't get back on course, we'll spend eternity in hell apart from him. But because he loves us, he sends us those judgments. You've got to connect him properly. 
Last week, I introduced you to the God of love or the God who loves you. Verse 19, I think it's Ephesians. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So you become complete in Christ, but that's the standard. And yet, when you know the love of Christ, you are then filled with all the fullness, the actual essence of God. You are growing. You are being made perfect in his love. And that's how you represent him. That's how you imitate him, not only by talking about the love of God, but by demonstrating the love of God. Remember, Paul wants the readers to be empowered so as to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Love of Christ refers to Christ's love to us. Human love to Christ could not be described in these terms. Note, this is not a petition that the believers, Paul's writing, it's not a petition that the believers might love Christ more, as important as that is, but rather that they might understand through experiences, in the experiential dimension, Christ's love for them. That means that you have been a recipient of it. You have tasted, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. He is not referring to their knowing as simply a mental exercise or a simple intellectual reflection upon the love of Christ. Paul wants them to be empowered so as to grasp the dimensions of that love in their own experience, an experience you and me are supposed to be experiencing daily. Commentator Paxson, he writes this regarding the phrase, love which passes knowledge, but there is a love of Christ that is knowledge surpassing. The expression of Christ's love is knowable, but the essence of the essence of that love is unknowable. We can never know the love that paid the cost of leaving his eternal home in the Father's bosom, in the heavenly glory, and of coming to a world that rejected and crucified him. We can never know the knowledge surpassing love that voluntarily emptied itself of its inherent glory and was made in the likeness of men and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. We can never know the love that on Calvary's cross suffered the anguish of heart compressed in that cry when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We can only confess our utter inability to comprehend such love and to tell him that it makes him unspeakably precious to us, more precious than anyone or anything in heaven or upon the earth. We can respond with a love for him that sweeps our life clean, I love it, of all counter-loves, and that leads us to go to the uttermost limit of our capacity in adoration of and our devotion to him. I love that. I should read it again, but I don't have time. That's the love I wish you to understand, and hopefully it births an appropriate response in you, in me, in all of us, to reciprocate with a like effort, that love back to God. Today, I'd like to connect that supernatural love he has for us with the divine judgment he sends to us. Very important. They go together, and I hear it all the time. You know, it's difficult to see God in his judgments because we truly don't understand his love. And we will never comprehend the love as it is in the heart of God. He's just God. We're not. In our human capacity, it would kill us. It would just blow us apart. Okay? And I don't know how we will respond to that love in our celestial bodies, but we'll we'll figure it out when we get there. But for today, I'm going to do as best as I can to get you to understand that love working hand in hand with his judgments. And I want to start off just by telling you about Jesus. You know, God loves Jesus. Can you agree with that? God loves Jesus. That's non-debatable. God loves Jesus. 
And the Bible says God loves us, right? For God so loved mankind that he sent his only begotten Son of God. So God loves us. God loves Jesus. And yet, look what he did. Look about judgment. God didn't judge Jesus. God judged man. And that's what he did. He judged sin. And he had to pay the penalty. There's a penalty for sin. And so God judged that mankind was a sinner. And that sin has killed us. And it had to be dealt with. There was a penalty to be paid. That penalty is eternity apart from God. Sin sets us apart from God. And so God, because he loves us, sent the son who he loved to hell and killed him to pay the penalty, the judgment upon that sin in our place. So when we see, for instance, I'm going to talk about Sapphira, Ananias, and Sapphira later. God killed both of them for lying to the Holy Ghost. When we criticize, oh, God would never do that, or when we talk about, let's talk about COVID, when God kills half a million people, a million people, because there's judgment upon our sin, we can't complain or knock God or dispute the fact that God would ever do something like that. He sent his own son, who is absolutely the heart of who he is. He loves his own son, and yet he condemned his sin. Christ condemned sin in the flesh. That's what that means. Sin was condemned in the flesh. It was condemned in the flesh of Jesus. And he sent Jesus to hell and he killed him and crucified him to pay the penalty for that. And he loved him. So if God is allowed to exercise judgment upon his son, Jesus, whom we know he loves absolutely perfectly, then why do we deny him the truth that he judges us and maybe even kills some of us to save the rest? Understand God is for you. If you do not know him, Right. If you do not understand him, if you do not repent of your sins and ask him into your life as Lord and Savior, then he will never know you. And if he doesn't know you, you're going to spend eternity in hell. But because he loves you, he judges you just like he did. He put that judgment upon Jesus and Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. So don't criticize God in the Old Testament. God, the sons of Korah were rebelling against Moses. And so at the end of the day, the judgments came and God slew 15,000 of them. Remember that rascal Balaam, right? He was actually a witch. He wasn't really a prophet of God. He was a witch and he was a, what's the word? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, a seer, something like that. Anyway, he was an evil man and he tricked the Jews and they committed fornication with the temple prostitutes of Baal Peor. Well, God slew 22,000 of them. Why does he do that? Is he punishing them? He just gets a woke up on the wrong side of the bed one morning. He does that because there were 6 million other Jews that he didn't want to be spending eternity in hell because they were committing the same sins. So God has to judge us. It is a sign of his love. You got to know God in his love. You got to know God in his mercy. You got to know God in his grace. You got to know God in his goodness. You got to know God in his forgiveness. You've got to know God in his judgments. That paints the pure total picture of God. You know, a coin, these preachers that only preach about the goodness of God, that don't talk about sin, that tell you how much God loves you, that's great and it's true, but it's only one side of the coin. And a coin has no value until they mint both sides of it. The other side of that coin is God is a God of judgment. He hates sin and he punishes sin. And it's like in the old days, in the 50s and the 60s, the preachers were preaching, they were 
criticized and they were uh, condemned because they were preaching hellfire and brimstone. They were preaching about the judgment of God. So we got past that, as it were, and we started preaching on the goodness of God, the love of God, and we exaggerated that. So which God is God? He's both of them. He's the God of judgment, of hellfire, and brimstone, and fury, but he's also the God of love. But to just concentrate on one of those paints an inaccurate, incomplete picture of who God is. Romans 11.34, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Yes, it's sometimes difficult to see God and the judgments because all we've done is tell you that God loves you, God loves you. We've changed the gospel. The gospel isn't about the death, burial, resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death for you, mankind, a sinner who needs a Savior. The gospel has become God loves you, Jesus loves you. While those are truths, it's not the gospel. He judges basically to keep our eternal souls out of hell. Understand that. When he's judging us, it's because he doesn't want us to go to hell. And so he sent Jesus in our place. He's made it simple. Just tell people what I did, that I fixed their sin problem. Matthew 121, Jesus came. Why? Born of a virgin Mary? To take away the sin of the world. That's the truth of the gospel. It's an act of love, and it goes hand in hand with his judgment. But because the world doesn't want to be called sinners, because pastors are intimidated by telling people something that might offend them, hey, I'm married. My wife, she can offend me. You tell me the truth. I don't need you to comfort me, preacher. I need you to tell me the truth. And it's important that we receive truth when they're spoken of. That's why I'm telling you about the God who loves you is also the God who judges you. But here's the difference, and you've got to understand this, okay? We're criticized in the church and about judging people, judging them. And I judge people all day long. I judge everything. But I don't judge them to condemn them. I judge them to correct them. Right? The world judges to condemn. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I didn't come to judge the world for condemnation. That's not why I'm here. I came that the world through me might be saved. And what happened is because the world judges to condemn, now they've thrown that on the church. And every time we try to judge them to correct them, we're told that we're condemning them. And they don't pay us any mind. So now we quit talking about judgment. And there we are. We've got a world that doesn't receive the corrections of the Lord. We have got to counter the lies that the enemy puts in our pulpits with the truth. The pulpit is designed for truth. It's made for truth. But because God is all-knowing, And he sees and knows all things, including the future of mankind, our future specifically. His demonstrations of love, they seem odd to us. Of course, they're odd. We are constantly judging him according to our limited scope of knowledge. While he is loving us according to his infinitely wise scope of knowledge, which can never be comprehended by the mind of man. Truth is, it all comes down to faith, friends. You either trust God or you don't. I mean, he's given us every reason on the planet to trust him in the the sacrificial death of Christ for our sins. Don't forget, his death was judgment upon our sin. Can you get that? And you know that he loved Jesus. If we can get that revelation, if we can understand God loved Jesus, God put the judgment of man's sins, which was death, and sentenced to hell. He put the sentence of that on Christ. When I tell people that COVID is a judgment of God, they freak out. No, Ron, God would never do that. That's not the God of love. That's not the God I'm hearing about. When I tell them that, if they don't understand who God is, if they don't have the revelation that God did that to Jesus also, then they think that it's not God. They don't understand. But we've got to convince them of the truth that because God loves us, he 
judges us. But we're not in that time, like Jesus said, where you judge for condemnation to eternity. We still have the opportunity, if we will respond to the judgments that God sends, recognize he sends them to us because he loves us. It all comes down to using your faith. I trust God, okay? Yes, I believe that he loved Jesus. I believe that he loves me, and I believe that he judged Jesus with my sin. I get that. I got that. But faith, we've got to use our faith to take it because it's something that our minds can't comprehend. I don't understand the love that did that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And you probably won't either. What is that song? I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Well, we may never know that, but we trust that God did it because he loved us. And that's where our faith comes in. We have misused faith. We've been taught that faith is used by the church for the purpose of acquiring things to help us. Good things. A bigger building, a nice choir, robes for the choir, nicer cars so we can get the job done, we can get to work. We've been using faith to acquire things in the natural. I call it the gospel of acquisition. Faith is to be used for the purpose of helping you to know God and to ensure the salvation of our souls and that of the people that God sends to you. One of my favorite scriptures, Hebrews 10, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence or your faith, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto sin or perdition or doubt or unbelief, but we are of them that believe to the saving of their soul. The ultimate goal, the reason you have faith is to ensure the salvation of your soul. We have used our faith to build our relationship with things rather than with God. Think of faith as trust. Scripture has clearly established that we don't know nearly anything like God knows. God knows things in peoples at a depth and a level will never attain to. Yet we question and we doubt him when he judges us. Phrases like, that can't be God, or God would never do that, or I don't understand. That can't be God. No, they're uttered without any understanding that Father God actually uses his judgments to correct us and bring us back on course. But most often they're uncomfortable, these judgments. They're uncomfortable to our flesh, so we rebel. Saints, you not only are allowed to use faith when dealing with his judgments, you are required to. Look here. Think that God placed judgment for our sinful man. He put that on judgment of Christ and he condemned sin in the flesh. That's what's been written. We have got to acknowledge that he has removed the penalty for our sin long term, eternally, if we will come to know Christ. He is sending judgments such as AIDS and homosexuality, 9-11, COVID, and Katrina in an effort to draw our attention away from our sin. Little do we realize, because the church is failing to tell everybody, he sent AIDS because he loves us, because he doesn't want the entire human race to be destroyed by homosexuality and the resulting diseases. He sent 9-11 to America because America was ignoring his other judgments upon us, and he wants to rescue America from their sin. Back in 2009-11, America's uh, morality was hanging in the balance, okay? Abortion still rampant. Homosexuality just coming faster and faster and faster. And he sent 9-11 to get our attention. America had never had anything like that happen to it before. And here it was. But it was an act of love. We just don't get that. You mean God would kill 2,800 Americans because he loved us? Yes. God would kill a million Americans if it would save 260 million Americans. If that's what it takes to get the message across to us, he will do it. Remember, 
He sent Jesus to hell. He killed Jesus because he wanted to save mankind. He still wants to save mankind. Understand, his message is always love. His message is always love. His motive is always love. It's always truth. That's who he is. He can't be anything else. His perfect love for us, which desires to spend eternity with us, when he sees us rejecting that and choosing hell instead, he loves us so radically that he will do anything necessary. I mean, that's who he is. Yes, it's radical. He killed his own son. Yes, it's radical. He sent his son to hell to pay the penalty for our sins. Yes, it's radical. He'll kill 2,800 people in 9-11 to get the message across, America, your sin is killing you. He will do that. Yes, it's radical. He'll send somebody perhaps... Oh, I don't know. What is it? It's uh, alcoholism, right? What happens to their livers? They get liver problems. That's a message. You know, we talk about pain all the time and we think pain is such a bad thing. Pain is not a bad thing. God sends pain to us in our bodies because it's a warning system, is it not? When you have a headache, you're in pain and it's because there's something going on in your body. When you fall off a building and you break a leg, when you're playing sports and you break a finger, that's pain in your body, your body's warning system that something is wrong in your body. Why did God put that in there to punish you? No, he put it in there to warn you. Hey, you need to address the pain. Something's wrong. He does that to us spiritually. Judgments are spiritual pain that God sends to us to let us know that there is something wrong with our souls. Can you understand that? It's a good thing. He loves us to warn us when something is off. Judgments are a good thing. He put them in society, in our culture, in the earth to warn us that something is wrong with our souls. And yet we don't see it as such. I think that's a great analogy. Pain is good because it helps you make corrections in your body. Judgments from God are good because they help you make corrections in your spirits. It's so important that we recognize these. The fear of the Lord. We talk about the fear of the Lord. I've got it written down here. Where is it? God does everything he can to keep us out of hell. He does everything, things that we understand, things that we don't understand. And matter of fact, where is it? I've got it written down here. There it is. Great fear. I was talking about, I'm jumping ahead now. I was talking about Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, he slew them because they lied. They lied to the Holy Spirit of God, right? And the result of that was that the fear of the Lord fell upon the church and the church started doing miracles. And it says in verse 5, Ananias, hearing these words, he would found out to be lying to Peter. He fell down and he died and he gave up the Holy Ghost and great fear came upon them that heard what happened to him. Verse 11, his wife died also, remember? And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Great fear. If you know God, you will fear God greatly. If you don't know God, you don't have fear of the Lord. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you can't know God because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord, those that walk in the fear of the Lord understand all things. I am telling you that the church, today's church, does not know God. We are not walking in the fear of the Lord. Therefore, we have no understanding. You can put that all together. When you walk in the fear of the Lord, you will have understanding. You will understand that God sends these judgments because he loves you. That's the point I'm trying to drive over. God's judgments on Ananias and Sapphira produced the desired results. The church, rather than thinking that they could get away with lying, learned quite the opposite. God was not going to tolerate sin in the church. They learned it early. They learned it harshly. Look at the result of that. Verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. 
Now, you don't see signs and wonders being done in our churches like they should have been, right? You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name you shall cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues, and if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. You shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. That's a, a commandment to the church to deal with those that are bruised. We should be emptying out the hospitals, yes? You know, you ever want to know if a faith healer is a man of God or not? See where he does his miracles. Is he going to the hospitals? That's where I would go. If God gave me the gift of healing, that's where I would go. I'd be emptying out those hospitals in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Anyway, it's important that we understand. Fear of the Lord will give you understanding. Understanding will cause you to understand the love of God and the judgments of God, and you'll be a better witness for God. It's important that we know the truth, but it's important that we know God so we can tell other people the truth, and they too can share in this great salvation that we have. We love you. We pray for you. I'm enjoying talking about this. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. We'll be back next week. Till then, be blessed, obey God, and read your Bibles. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.